the question you asked. Just reel me back in. It's okay, man. I'm going to let you run on your tangents All today. Right. <laughs> you cool with that? I'm cool with that. All right, brother. Cool. Well, let's jump in. Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under a very rainy sky here in the Valley of the Sun under the umbrella of Hardwater One. I'm joined today by a gentleman named Chris Hargrave. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Chris at a local seminar. Actually, we both decided to get cold mm-hmm. and wet together, mm-hmm. and it was a match made in heaven, apparently. But uh, when he was telling his story to the group, um, I was really impressed by a couple things. Uh, first of all, his his weight loss journey, but also I'm always intrigued by people from Alaska. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I've never been. I think there's just something about not going and, and the, the vastness and the frontier nature of it all. But I think you're going to tell me it's not really like that for a lot of folks. Yeah, hopefully you're not fascinated because of all the shows on Discovery in TLC and all the all the really really bad reality shows. That's all I know. That that's all I know. So uh, <laughs> so I'm probably guilty of being all of those things. Yeah. But uh, today we're gonna dive into Chris's story, um, and uh, he shared a little bit with me, and uh, super interesting. So let's just start at the top, man, and uh, we'll just have a convo about uh, coming up out in the the grand city. Yeah, <laughs> not the frontier, but the grand city out in Alaska, and we'll go from there, man. So, what was it like coming up in the in the not so wilderness of Alaska? Right. Yeah. So, I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, Anchorage is the city. You know, we were talking earlier. Over half the state lives in one city, um, and that state. Dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna brag for a minute. Uh, I used to give people from Texas a hard time. Everything's bigger in Texas. But if you split Alaska into two states, Texas would be the third largest state in the union. Wow. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people uh, for that giant state live in one city. And yeah, growing up there was was awesome. I mean, I grew up playing sports just like a lot of kids and, uh, you know, sledding in the winters and playing basketball, playing baseball. Um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, but uh, you were telling me that uh, a lot of folks don't really get out and travel much. You said it was... That's true, yeah. Um, What's up with that? Yeah, it's just so expensive to get most places. So, uh, you know, you're traveling by small plane or, you know, if it's the wintertime, there's plenty of places that you're traveling by snow machine or or ATV or something like that. Um, So unless you had a sports tournament as a kid or as an adult, you work a, you know, a a civil construction job or something that's going to send you to every corner of the state to you know, build tiny little runways and stuff. You just don't get to go see a lot of places. Um, so yeah, there's, there's so much of Alaska that, uh, that I would love to still go see. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like uh, if you went back, you'd be kind of a tourist as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I know I, my, my wife and I have a dream of being up there in a travel trailer, uh, mm. for a summer and just doing that travel trailer lifestyle, driving around and going to all these places and, you know, living in BLM land off grid and doing all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. So one day I can dude, I can totally relate. And I, I, I confess that I'm sure I've been influenced by the, the not so accurate documentaries I've seen all over the place, but there was one that I saw where these guys were going out looking for land. There's just, you know, vast tracts of land, mm-hmm. you know, near tiny little towns here and there. And there's a shack, you know, somewhere on this land doesn't have running water mm-hmm. or anything, but they're buying up these places to just kind of get away from it all, to go mountain biking or to go hunting or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And honestly, man, it did capture my attention. Yeah, no, they are pretty fun. I'll tell you uh, the dirty little secret with all those, especially the real estate shows up there, 
is that uh, you know the, those shows all have a formula where they see three properties. They you you learn the story of this family. They see three properties. They all have pros and cons. One of them's way over budget. One of them's way under budget, but needs so much work. And uh, and then you know they <laughs> deliberate, and then they pick one, and then it shows them all happy. You know, six months later. Right. The reality is that that couple has already bought that property, and then they're approached by the show, and say, "Hey, would you, you want to be on the show?" And it's just, it's all, it's like really bad acting mm. because it's, they're literally fed lines and they're, they're pretending they haven't seen these places before they've li- they've already bought that third property. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. And there's, my my there's, bubble is burst. Dude. Like they even, <laughs> uh, you know, if they don't have a show, like they will, one of the companies up there sent out, um, one of the owner of the real estate company's wife, she just pretended to go look at three properties. Uh, it's yeah. I'm sorry, man. Dude, I'm, I'm so let down. Yeah. The, the lie. You, you, you obviously <laughs> haven't seen The Wizard of Oz either. I won't tell you how that one ends. <laughs> I will not pull back the curtain. Yeah. I promise. Wow. So all the way from Alaska now, hailing in, uh, hailing from the Phoenix area, mm-hmm. uh, building a family down here, building mm-hmm. a business down here. Um, what caused all this? I know you you ended up coming down here by way of a couple of different sort of venues. You spent some time in Cali. Yeah. You know, uh, you spent some time doing some traveling around with some sports teams growing up, mm-hmm. playing some basketball. Yeah. Um, what, what was that path like coming down to the desert? You know, I went to college in Southern California and then I was back up in Alaska, um, and working up there in, uh, television and advertising, uh, when I met my wife and, uh, we were just kind of thinking we wanted to change. Um, it also just happened to coincide with the winter with the, uh, the highest snowfall on record in town. So we had like 135 inches of snow in town, which is great when you're on a ski slope, but when you're just trying to get to work, it's just in the way. (laughs) And so we were kind of getting a little sick of long, dark winters. Um, and then, and then actually my, um, my mother-in-law had, she was living down here part-time in Arizona in Peoria and she, uh, she got sick. Her breast cancer came back after 10 years. And so, you know, if there's any, if there's any silver lining in that, they had her and her husband, my, my, uh, father-in-law had just bought a property down here as a second home, which also happened to be in a, in a town with great, great cancer facilities, cancer treatment centers. Um, so they ended up being down here pretty much full time, uh, for her to go through treatment. And my wife had came down to visit her for her birthday, my wife's birthday. And, uh, this was in March and she called me and said, I want to move to Arizona. Um, and she decided she wanted to switch her career from corporate finance to becoming a massage therapist. Uh, she had been kind of following in her mom's footsteps. Her mom was a CFO, uh, up in Alaska for a, an oil services company and had led a very, very stressful career. Um, that more than likely contributed to, uh, especially the, the second round of cancer coming back, um, stressful events like that tend to, uh, make little chinks in the armor for your immune system. Yes, they do. And my wife was following in, in her mom's footsteps that way. Um, she was a controller, financial controller for a native corporation that oversaw eight subsidiaries. I mean, she was right there. Um, and she saw where that got her mom, where that landed her mom with her health. And, uh, so she called me, said, I would like to move to Arizona. Uh, and she came back home. We started selling off all our stuff. We had a 
2,800 square foot house and, you know, all the, all the bells and whistles that you have and, um, got everything down to a Tahoe and a 12 by eight foot U-Haul trailer in a couple months and moved down here in the middle of the summer that year. Wow. Um, so that we could be near her mom and spend some good quality time with her, uh, which we were able to luckily get a couple more years of really awesome time with her. Mm -hmm. Um, and that landed us in Phoenix. Uh, and you know, once we got down here, my, my wife went and pursued the massage and, uh, got her massage license down in Tempe at the school down there. Um, in a sense, opened her own massage practice and, and energy medicine practice. Um, and then I kind of went in, kept with my marketing work that I was doing and, uh, uh, yeah. And then since then I've kind of, kind of branched off into a different path, but that's how we ended up in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it's, it's always interesting to me when I talk to someone who's traveled a great distance from one area that they grew up in mm-hmm. and they know so well to live in another area. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but to me, it just seems like a completely different lifestyle, mm-hmm. completely different way of being. Um, you guys were in Anchorage. We yeah? Were, yeah. Yeah. So you guys are in the big city mm-hmm. in yeah. Alaska and coming down to Phoenix, yeah. um, the population surrounding this area with it being, you know, a little over a million people had to be a bit of a shock. Yeah. It's a big, it's a definitely a big city. I saw the other day, a, a, a little meme on Facebook that said Phoenix is exactly one hour away from Phoenix. <laughs> and, and that's, that's the true. truth, man. Like you could be in the car for 90 minutes and you still got 90 to go. Yeah, um, because it's just this you big urban sprawl. Yeah, yeah, you can't build up here. You yeah, build yeah. out because yeah. you know no one wants their sunset vista right, right. infringed upon, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a, a big change. We had been down here to visit several times on vacation, you know, to visit my in-laws, um, and we we also have some family down here, so that was a huge help. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was definitely a big change, especially career-wise. Um, you know, we both of us growing up in in Anchorage, we had such a strong community there that, you know, getting new clients, especially for me in, in marketing, uh, getting new clients was easy. Uh, came down here. I didn't, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anything. I didn't know who is the big dog with marketing, who to what doors to knock on, nothing. So, um, it took a while to get, uh, kind of get our footing and, and gain momentum in the right direction. Yeah. It's, uh, it's always a shock. I think a lot of people underestimate, the energy and effort it takes to rebuild a circle, mm-hmm. especially later in life. Yeah. You know, early yeah. in life, it's not such a big deal, but later in life, yeah. people are like, yeah, we're, we're not hiring right now. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> our circle's full, yeah, exactly. if you will. But, um, so you were, you were talking about your, was it your mother-in-law, mm-hmm. the, the cancer yeah. uh, issue? Was that what you think prompted your wife to want to switch careers? It, 100%. Or was it something? Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. She, um, Back in Anchorage, she had started seeing a cranial sacral therapist up there. Cranial sacral is uh, kind of a, um, it's a massage technique uh, that, that focuses on the flow of your uh, spinal fluid up and down your spine and, and around the, the plates in your head. Uh, and, the, and the idea being that when there's blockages in that flow, uh, that is again, kind of a chink in the armor. It's, it's ten, usually if you can get those blockages to release pain will release with it. Is this and, specifically for spinal pain? Uh, no, cause you know, that spinal, you know, it's, it's going out to all extremities as well. Uh, the, it's kind of branching out from there. So, um, not the fluid itself, but the, that flow of energy. Mm. Um, so she had been seeing a practitioner in Anchorage. And then when she was down here visiting her mom, 
she saw went and got a massage and asked the therapist if she knew anyone that did cranial and she said oh i do and i went to a school down here and that was kind of that was the the light bulb uh when she realized she had been getting so much benefit from it up in alaska and was trying to introduce her mom to it and and, and a lot of other folks just because she had gotten so much benefit from it um so that was the big the big catalyst the big kind of light bulb for her to want to make that that career switch when she first pitched the idea to you were you surprised at all for the change um Yes and no. We had been kind of wanting a change. We didn't know what it was. Uh, you know, we didn't know where we wanted to be or what we wanted to do. We just knew we needed to shake things up a little bit. Um, the, for myself, you know, the winters in Alaska were not very healthy for me. Um, you know, I had a long family history of depression and, and it didn't skip a generation with me. And the winters are very, very tough. That seasonal affective disorder. Um, you know, it is just so much darkness. You that, yeah, coming down here with all this sun, I mean, that, that was, you know, pretty intriguing and I, and I am grateful for it. Um, to this day, I get outside as much as I can. I just go eat my meals in the backyard. I just go sit down and, and take my shirt off and get as much skin exposed as possible to get that good, good sun. So, um, we were ready for a change and, you know, being familiar with the area down here a little bit, it was definitely an easier, uh, jump to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you feel like, uh, with, you know, like you said, being, uh, surrounded by so much darkness and cold, you know, for such a great period of time, do you think that it affects a vast majority of the population who live up in that area? Absolutely. Um, you know, especially now that I'm just more, uh, kind of in tune to it and to ask those questions, uh, you know, I, along with a lot of other people are, are extremely vitamin D deficient up there, uh, because they don't have that sun to help them process it. Um, so, you know, I had a, I had a, they call it the happy light. I had one of those on my desk, uh, that emits, emits blue light that I sat there and let it blare into my eyes all day just to try it. And it, it, it actually helps. It really does. It's kind of strange. Um, but yeah, it's very tough. Did you notice a difference almost immediately when you had more sun exposure? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, it, it's, I, I'm a really fair skinned guy. So the sun has always, but kind of been my enemy. Um, I've had more than my fair share of extremely bad sunburns, uh, that go right along with my red hair and beard. And I was drawn to it as soon as we got down here. I mean, sure. I could only be in the middle of summer. I could only be outside shirtless for five minutes each side, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I could feel how good I felt. Uh, you know, you open your eyes after being out in the sun for a little bit and kind of meditating and resting for a second. And yeah, it's undeniable how much better you feel. Yeah, I think so too. I, I've noticed a difference. I think spiritually it helps mm-hmm. uh, just lift this the the energy that you carry with you mm-hmm. throughout the course of the day. I noticed the last few days here when it's been a little rainy yeah. and cloudy. Yeah, I'm so spoiled, man. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, waking up to clouds is just, it's almost unheard of here. So mm-hmm it really did impact how quickly I got out of bed and how quickly I got into action yeah. and how quickly I got into motion. Yeah. And, uh, it's, <laughs> I can't imagine, um, that being the reality for, you know, a big part of the year. Yeah. And especially, you know, growing, growing up in Alaska was great. It's a big playground, you know, um, it, the snow's fun. It's fun to play in. So when you have uh, time set apart each day for you to have recess and go out and play that, that works really well. Um, when you end up working there as an adult, especially if you're a nine to fiver, 
uh, for several months of the winter, you're getting up and going to work in the dark and you're coming home in the dark yeah. or you're coming home with 30 minutes of daylight. Um, and then you're, if you're inside the rest of the day, I mean, you're literally in darkness 24 hours a day almost, you know, it's uh it's not, a, it's not a healthy look. Yeah, definitely yeah. not. Yeah. Were you doing uh, video production when you're up in Alaska at this time? Yeah, I um, I worked for a local TV station, and I also worked a lot with a, the top advertising agency there, mm. um, which was great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, so uh, were you spending most of your time indoors during those days? Oh yeah, I was in a yeah. dark edit bay, staring <laughs> at a bright computer screen. It's a couple nice twenty-four inch monitors. That was my light for the day. <laughs> that's crazy, yeah. man. So when, when you and I met, we, we actually met at a Wim Hof seminar mm-hmm. here in town uh, through a mutual friend, and uh, you started telling your story. You're, you obviously mentioned, I mentioned at the top of the episode um, that you were from Alaska, but that you had a weight loss journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious to know how someone like yourself, who was obviously active and in shape as a child, how did you get to the point where you needed to even go on a weight loss journey in the first place? Yeah, so you know, I grew up as uh, playing lots of team sports, basketball and baseball most. And then as an adult, every adult league sports team I could join, uh, you know, soccer and volleyball. And, uh, my wife played dodgeball. They had adult league dodgeball up in Alaska, nice. which is pretty fun. Uh, they quit doing the men's division because no one wanted to direct it because of all the fist fights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, basketball was always the biggest part of my life as far as fitness though. And, um, up in Alaska in my early 20s, I ended up uh, coaching basketball at my old high school for a bit. And so I was playing I was playing basketball 10 hours a week at least between open gyms for these kids and going and playing with buddies a couple times a week and was in really pretty good shape from looking from the outside. I was thin and could run all day. Um, but for whatever strange reason, in my early 20s, my cholesterol started climbing. Uh, and by the time I was 25... Um, I was taking a statin medication. I was taking, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it now. Yeah, we won't, we won't throw them under the bus. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was taking a statin medication and I was taking a, um, a prescription Prilosec for heartburn. Okay, so let me stop you right there. I have yeah. a question. So on the uh, cholesterol climbing piece, mm-hmm. you know, how did you even know this was happening? I mean, I, you're in your early 20s, right? Yeah. So, I and mean, I, at what point did you think, you know what, I need to get my cholesterol tested? I'm 20, 21, 22, right, yeah. 23, whatever. You know, it was actually, uh, it actually started when I was still in college. And um, when I would was home for the summer, I think I went in for a checkup with my, you know, my general practice physician that I'd seen my whole life. Um, so it was just a standard battery of tests. Yep. Yeah. Just standard up. blood work. And, and that was the one that, uh, that came back as kind of alarming. All of a sudden it took this big jump and then it, the next year it took another jump and the next year it took another jump. And so, uh, yeah, here I was 25 years old taking a statin medication to try to, I had the, I had the cholesterol of like a morbidly obese old man. Wow. Um, I think my high score was 282, which, uh, they want you around 200. Um, but yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. And so, I was, I was in pretty good shape, but I was taking these medications, not knowing the side effects of them being, uh, especially the statin medications will reduce the elasticity of your, uh, your tendons and ligaments. And so during those couple years, those first couple years I was taking them, I just had a barrage of injuries. Uh, you know, both knees had jumpers knee and my patella and both knees. Um, and especially my, my Achilles on my right side. 
uh, started basically fraying almost like you take a rope and start to turn it against the direction it's, it's twisted. And so it's, it's physically wider than the other side. And those, those fibers have frayed and gotten kind of fat and, uh, yeah, it was just bad news all around. Um, and not having no idea that it was because of the statin medication. And, uh, so because of that, like that, that took down my, uh, how much I could be active for, for a while. It kind of kicked me back a little bit as far as how much I could be out there playing, especially I played basketball and volleyball a lot. So I'm jumping a lot and that was the worst for the Achilles. Um, it was, it was so painful. Um, so that kind of kicked down my activity level. Then when we moved down to Arizona, um, the, the company I worked for, for a while, um, it was, it was kind of a frat house, uh, sort of environment. And we partied a lot and it was great and it was fun. It was cool, but you know, we drank a lot and, and, you know, not eating great. And at that point I had no real concept of what good nutrition was. Um, and my weight just started climbing. I had, I had, you know, kind of limited activity. I had bad nutrition and I had a high stress job. Um, and then you just drowned it all with, with beer if you, when you can. What and, type uh, of work were you doing at this uh, point? It was marketing work. Still marketing. Yeah. Right? I was a marketing manager for a manufacturing company. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Great, great people working there. It was a lot of, you know, it's, you're having fun with the boys. It's cool. Uh, but, uh, all of a sudden I was feeling, you know, I didn't like where the scale was. Um, and I wasn't feeling very good. I was, you know, I wasn't waking, I was waking up feeling tired every day and just kind of felt like crap. And I didn't have a doctor down here. And so a couple guys in the office had turned me on to a natural path that they see in Scottsdale and had all raved about her, how amazing she was and to go see her. And, um, luckily she had an opening. She's a, she's a pretty popular gal. And I was able to get into her and we did a blood panel. And, um, the first time I sat down with her after my blood work, I mean, she spent damn near two hours going through every number with me and explaining to me the factors that lead into why this number is so bad and how the tactics that we could use to bring it back to normal. And, uh, that was the first time that someone really did that with me, kind of, kind of educated me on, on any of that stuff and had a strategy other than shake, 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 take this bottle of pills. It sounds like she invested time in, in your education. Like, uh, Absolutely. you know, it seems like a lot of the, you know, the modern doctor in the system is basically, you know, let me funnel them in and out as quickly as possible. But mm-hmm. to have someone invest the time to empower you, I mean, I, th- I think that's fantastic. It was amazing. Yeah. And it was, um, it was such a difference maker uh, and, and it also sparked a curiosity of wanting to, you know, not that I didn't believe her, but wanted to see if she was right. Could I do all this stuff without medication? Uh, which is what you're conventionally told, you know, it takes to fix a lot of these symptoms. Um, and yeah, so with a couple, uh, kind of natural supplements that she provided, you know, an adrenal support and a B vitamin, I mean like a B vitamin complex and pretty basic stuff. Um, we were able to start to kind of get the gears moving again and in the right direction. And, um, I not only started feeling better, uh, and also feeling empowered because I kind of had felt like I had more control over what my body was doing and how I was feeling. Um, the weight, yeah, the weight just kind of started falling off. And, uh, it was pretty wild because my activity level didn't 
didn't go up at all. I was still playing basketball a couple times a week here and there, um, as my Achilles would allow. Uh, but, uh, it was all nutrition. Uh, it was all just kind of proper nutrition. And, um, it took a couple years. I mean, it didn't all happen at once. There was some pre some months of like some serious weight loss. Um, but it took a couple years, but it ended up losing, yeah, 65, 70 pounds over the course of a couple years. Wow. Um, pretty much solely with nutrition. And that's, you know, that's kind of the, the trick is that, you know, you go to the gym to build muscle and you go to the kitchen to lose weight. Um, you know, your, your best exercise for weight loss is push away. where you push away from the table. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I think most people get that backwards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can slave away on a treadmill and mess that up real fast. You can't outrun a bad diet. I think, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it's so funny to see people try, you know, and then, yeah. and then verbalize it and, right. and you just want to kind of shake them and say, that's not how it works. Yeah. And it's just a, um, it's a misunderstanding. It's a, it's a lack of education around it, you know, and, mm-hmm. Uh, in a lack of education, or is it just being completely misled, right? Uh, by the covers of a fitness magazine. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that was, that was, uh, a huge, that's been a huge part of my life these last few years is, uh, meeting her and her investing time in me mm-hmm. and seeing my body respond to it, um, and wanting to learn more and dive deeper. So, uh, it sounds like you're the type of person who was open to naturopath from the get go. You didn't have any resistance to that. I'm no. Ass- so had you had experience with naturopaths in the past? I had not. Um, I really just didn't know any doctors down here and they said, she's great. Go see her. And you know, it was, a a little bit of a leap of faith because I knew as a naturopath, she didn't accept insurance. Like I'm going to go pay out of pocket for this. Right. Um, but my gosh, it was uh, one of the greatest investments I've ever made, um, in my health that way. So, um, and, and w- once I had one visit with her, it was, it was so apparent that it was the right decision just because of the amount of time that she took. I felt like you feel like you matter, you mm-hmm. know, when they're, when they're going to take that much time to invest in you and make sure that you understand what your marching orders are when you walk out of the office. Um, yeah. So I, I had no prior experience before her, but man, I, I definitely recommend it to everybody. Uh, so at this point you're, you know, you have a little education now. She mm-hmm. spent some time with you. Um, you feel like you have more control mm-hmm. over what's happening with your body, with your physiology as mm-hmm. a whole. What's the next step? You know, listening a little bit, uh, on the, on the fitness side, you know, listening to some, uh, popular strength coaches or people in, in, in fitness, um, you know, Pavel Tatsulin and some old school guys and, uh, just kind of educating myself a little bit around that. And then, um, really the next big crucial, uh, pivotal moment was, was a client of my wife's, uh, in in her massage practice, she had a, a guy come in and he started talking about his new business. Um, and he does injury prevention training. So he goes into a corporate environment and will, uh, do kind of a little, uh, seminar with employees, whether it's from desk workers or, you know, dental hygienists all the way to trash guys and, you know, people that have very, very physically active jobs. Um, he goes in and does a, uh, kind of a little seminar with them, teaches them a little bit about kind of where injuries come from. And then he gives them, uh, what he calls pre-shift conditioning, a little, a little five to seven minute movement routine, uh, to kind of prime their nervous system for the day. And, she had told him, Oh, my husband, you know, he's been learning a little bit about this kind of stuff and he also does marketing. And so she connected us and, uh, we ended up working out a trade and I went and filmed a video for him 
And in exchange, he came into the gym with me and just did a couple sessions with me uh, to try to help me fix some of my movement dysfunction. Um, at that point, you know, I was, I was, had lost quite a bit of weight, but I still had, I had chronic back pain. I woke up every morning in incredible back pain. And, uh, for my entire life from what I can remember all the way back in high school, um, I had what I felt was chronically tight hamstrings. I pulled hamstrings really, really easily. Mm. And, you know, even I remember in high school, uh, going through an entire practice, I'm never going to get warmer my, my hamstrings never going to get warmer than after, you know, an hour and 50 minutes of basketball practice. And we would, during conditioning, we would do lunges and one set of lunges across the floor from sideline to sideline, I'd pull both hamstrings, um, every single time. And so I just kind of thought I had this lack of flexibility in my hamstrings, um, and that that was the issue. And this guy, his name is Dr. Tony Hall. After three sessions, uh, he fixed a bunch of movement dysfunctions, uh, in, you know, just my body mechanics and the way I moved where I went from bending over to touch my toes and getting about six inches below my kneecap to putting my fingers on the floor in three sessions. Um, it was incredible. He just like unlocked this hidden flexibility that I had no idea had been there my whole life by fixing the way I moved. And that sounds unbelievable, especially when you say hidden flexibility, right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I have to ask, what is it that he took you through that opened the sort of the gate, if you will, of your hips, hamstrings? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that hamstring, uh, that toe touch, um, is kind of classic FMS, the functional movement system uh, with Gray Cook. And you'll see there's actually a great, uh, seminar that he does at Google where he brings people up on stage that can't touch their toes. And while they're in front of all their coworkers, he takes them through, through a series of movements and then all of a sudden they can touch their toes. And yeah, it's like a magic trick. Um, it, it's kind of, and you can, the look on their eyes, you would think they think it's a magic trick too. Um, but basically, you know, for that one in particular, you know, what I had to focus on was previously when I bent over, I was just bending really in my back. My hips weren't moving at all. Um, my hips were straight over top of my knees, straight over top of my ankles. So I was getting no movement out of my hips at all. So, you know, your, your spine has some movement in it, but that's not, it, it likes to be stacked. It doesn't like to, that's not its favorite place to be is bent over. And so he got me basically, he just helped me get control of my hips. Um, for almost all of my movement dysfunctions that I had going on, it was, it was getting my hips moving the right direction. So, you know, even now I, you know, I kind of have to focus on it a little bit, you know, push, push my hips and my butt all the way back. And then I'll bring my belly button as far as I can down to the floor and then bend your back. Like that was the sequence more or less. And all of a sudden I, yeah, I have like, you know, 12 more inches of flexibility, you know, flexibility in quotes, uh, movement, 12 more inches of movement in that, <laughs> in that, uh, toe touch. How do you draw a distinction between those two? I think, you know, if I, there, there is some lack of flexibility probably in my, my tendons and ligaments in my, in my hips and around my hamstring, um, that prevent me from going palms to the floor. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think if I were to really spend some time, if I did a ton of yoga classes or I spent a ton of time sitting on the floor, stretching out, watching TV, like I should be, um, not in the, not on the couch, uh, I would get some more flexibility out of those tendons and ligaments in, in those, those muscle fibers to be able to get more movement out of it. But basically just by doing a proper sequence of movement, I was able to 
progress a lot further. I wonder if this, I wonder if there's a distinction between the size of the human that you're working with, because I think a lot of taller people do have a tendency to have back issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if it's because, you know, you spend a lot of the day hunched over the same size desk that a shorter person would be perfectly suited for. Right. Or you spend time looking downward at things or, you know, whatever the case may be, or you have longer levers. So it's more work for you to squat. Yeah. It seems like taller people tend to have more, uh, lower back issues. I would say, I think it's all the above, but especially that, that last one, you know, it's just more mass and in those longer levers, it's going to, especially if there's improper movement patterns, it's going to put even that much more force and pressure in the wrong places. You look at big dogs, big dogs don't live near as long. Like they put a lot more stress on their body. I, you know, there's some similarity there, I think to, to any mammal that way. Um, I don't know. Someone's going to probably throw some whale reference about how long whales <laughs> live, but, uh, they're also not deadlifting and trying to dunk a basketball. Well, yeah. They're also not humans. We're yeah, talking about humans specifically. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, there's, there's gotta be something to that because you know, a human who, a human male at five, eight and a human male at six, two, both have the same number of vertebrae. Yeah. So there's gotta be something in terms of making up the difference there. The mass, obviously, the mechanics, the moment yeah. arm of, le- of leaning over. Yeah. There's got to be something to that. Yeah. I can't, I'm trying to remember what the, there's probably a formula to figure it out. But, you know, you look at, you know, a guy that sets a bench press world record mm-hmm. and he moves that bar like four inches. Yeah. Um, you know, I always, you know, I'm not a, a huge person. I'm about six one, uh, but I've got pretty long arms. And I go work out with my buddies, you know, my basketball buddies, my little point guard buddies that are 5'8", five, 5'7". And they're just pumping out bench press reps. And I have to move the bar so much further that I honestly think I should get one and a half reps per time I do it. You should. I mean, yeah. technically, if we were to measure it from a physics perspective, yeah, yeah. right? Work is force times displacement or distance. Yeah. So you're actually doing more work per rep than they are. That's what I tell myself. And this is one of my big uh, pet peeves with the CrossFit games because um, CrossFit's definition of fitness is power output, Mm -hmm. right? But you have multiple athletes in different forms doing the same exercises. Mm -hmm. They're competing for time, not for power output. So, you know, a rich Froning at five, eight, Mm -hmm. you know, versus a me at six, two, even if I were as fit as him, which I'm nowhere near, like on every rep to keep up, I'd have to do more work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of, I think that gets lost in the, the competitive nature of something like a CrossFit or functional fitness. I, uh, I, I listened to your last podcast with the, uh, the strong woman. What was her name again? Uh, Julius May. Yeah. And she talked about that in, in, in strongman competitions, mm-hmm. how one of the competitions she had recently, she liked because it had a, a variation of events that didn't all benefit one body type. True. Um, yeah. And you know, that's, that's definitely tough in a, in a CrossFit or something like that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of strongman, right. I'm sure you're familiar with Eddie Hall. Mm-hmm. Right. One of the shorter guys. And guess what? He sets the deadlift world record. It's right. not, it's not half Thor. Right. Right. You know, or Brian Shaw. It's, it's a short Eddie. But did he lift it half the distance that <laughs> half Thor would? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It probably. Yeah. Right. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's funny because people say, oh, well, you're a big guy. This will be easier for you. Yeah. yeah right. But that the reverse is true, actually. If yeah. you have, if you have equal training, I think if you have equal training on the same body or on different body types, the shorter levers win. Yeah, you would think so, right? I would think. Yeah. That's my thesis. I'm going to put that out there. <laughs> someone right. Take that someone the test that. Yeah, for sure. 
So, um, so hitting up the, um, the functional movement screening, mm -hmm. um, you went in with, um, uh, Dr. Tony Hall, he, he taught you how to move basically mm -hmm. how to, it sounded like you were describing almost like a squat when you were doing a, uh, like a hinge at the hip. Yeah. It was almost like a, like a good morning yeah. movement, you know, it's just hip straight back was uh, what I always had to focus on. Uh, I, my, my hips were terrible. You know, I, it was always kind of a, kind of a joke my whole life about having a tiny ass. Um, <laughs> but I like my glutes were so lazy they weren't pulling any of their own weight. And then, and so they, I literally never gave them the opportunity or asked them to, to get bigger and stronger. Um, and so that's been my like sole purpose in life. Not really. I've got a couple other purposes, but, uh, <laughs> one of my purposes in life for the last few years is trying to get back, um, you know, the, the power and ability in those nice, big, strong glute muscles. I mean, they're, they're made to move, a lot of weight over and over and over again. That's kind of, that's like their job. And when you sit in a chair all day and you've got really bad movement mechanics, um, they decide that they don't want to activate. And then you ask other muscles like the piriformis and things to do the work and they're supposed to just help on the sides. Uh, so yeah, that was another issue that I'd always had was I'd always, anytime I squatted, I would pull a piriformis. Uh, probably on both sides. I mean, to the point where I do one set and I couldn't do anymore. Um, cause I just wasn't asking the muscles that were made to do the job. Wasn't asking them to do the job. Uh, so he, it took, it took some time to really get those muscles firing in the right sequence and, in you know, standing up when it was their turn to work. Do you think that just was the, well, well, let me ask you this. Was it always that way as with you as a child growing up playing sports or was this something that happened after you experienced the, you know, the chair death that comes with most yeah, yeah. modern jobs? Uh, you know, it, I think it's been there a long time. Cause like I said, I'd always pull those hammies in, uh, in high school. I remember doing it a lot. Mm -hmm. So I think that's been there a long time. Um, I didn't get underneath a squat bar, maybe just a handful of times in high school. So it wasn't, it wasn't until I was much older till I, you know, really could, could put it on the spot and, and see how, uh, how improper those movements were. But I think it's been that way a long time for whatever reason. Hmm. So what does movement look like for you today? Like when you're training, what does training look like? Are you trying a bunch of different things to see if you can improve upon the progress that you've made or, yes. or where are you? So I kind of have, um, I kind of have program ADD a little bit. Uh, just cause I'm so interested in so many different things. Um, so, you know, I'll go through a time where I'm, you know, just working on a bunch of kettlebell movements or something like that. Or, uh, last year, uh, my big focus was, was barbell movements, kind of, uh, strong lifts five by five sort of stuff. You know, I was bench deadlift overhead press and a little bit of bench, uh, sorry, bench, uh, squat deadlift overhead and, and a little bit of bench. Um, and just really learning those movements and, and seeing, uh, how my body responded under those loads. Um, and you know, then I'll go for a while where I just want to kind of work on a general fitness, uh, and, and it's really more focused on injury prevention stuff. So it's a lot of kind of functional hip stuff where it's step ups with a, you know, step up on the box. And then the, the free leg is coming up into a 90 degree angle and hold it there for a little bit, you know, with dumbbells overhead, um, just to get uh, really good shoulder stability work. Um, or, you know, Turkish get-ups and that kind of stuff just to get a lot of good shoulder stability work. Um, so it changes all the time. Mm. And, you know, I'm sure 
you know, I think there's two ways to look at it. You know, I heard one guy uh, recently say, you know, the guy in the gym with the most variation is usually the skinniest guy, um, which is probably true a little bit. Uh, but at the, at the same time, I know that, uh, our bodies adapt really well to change. And so I should probably spend a little bit more time on each little program as I try them out. But anytime you change and throw a different load in a different way, different rep scheme or whatever you're doing differently, your body has a huge, uh, adaptation jump at the beginning of that, of that change. So. Um, which is probably, you know, I think I'm not a, I, I haven't had a ton of CrossFit experience, but I think that fits pretty well within CrossFit and the variation there. Um, you see huge adaptation change when you, when you change that way, change totally. your training. Totally. So speaking of which, I mean, what's your opinion on this idea of generalization, like the CrossFit model, GPP, mm-hmm. general physical preparedness versus a specialized, uh, sort of a program for lifting. I mean, in terms of longevity, it seems to me that the generalized program is going to you know, kind of like carry you through, especially into older ages. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you're specialized in powerlifting, for example, yeah. you know, I think maybe your, your life cycle is going to be a little bit shorter. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, first things first, I love whatever program people can do consistently. Mm. Uh, Cause I'd rather they do any of them than not do any of them. Um, so if you love something and that's all you want to do, I'm all for you, man. Um, but if you're really going to say, you know, if, if you have two different people that are both going to be consistent with their workout, then yeah, something that goes across the board. I, one of the, um, one of the companies and kind of systems that I really like is MoveNat. I don't know if you're familiar with them. It's uh, natural movement stuff. And so it's a lot of, uh, body weight stuff. Uh, and you know, it's, it, it gets a little crazy. They do all these animal walks and, and stuff. And, uh, some of them get a little silly looking, um, but man, crawling on the floor, uh, for a, a, a distance is one of my favorite exercises. Um, and like, be, a, like a bear crawl, yep, or, like a yeah. bear crawl. Yeah. Um, and you know, like the movement, movement system is, uh, uh, is basically just human movement. Uh, you know, look at being able to pick stuff up and carry it. You'd be able to swim, you'd be able to climb, uh, you'd be able to crawl. Um, you'd be able to, you know, stand up off your back, almost like a Turkish, Turkish get up, uh, you need to pick a person up and carry him up a hill if you need to. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's rare that you're going to get in a situation that there's going to be a perfectly placed bar in front of you that you're going to push straight up off your chest. Um, I, I love all the movements in the gym, but I, I want people to be able to do something in a real world environment as well. And, and that's, you know, kind of strong man, whatever you want to call it, pick up a rock and carry it if you need to, or throw a stick or whatever you need to be able to do, uh, stuff kind of in the real world. I know everyone's saying no one throws a stick, but if you needed to throw a stick, I want you to be able to throw a stick. A lot of dog owners throw sticks every day. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah. So like, uh, when we're looking at the spectrum of movements, obviously, I mean, I agree with you. There's no such thing as a bad movement. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times it just comes down to purpose. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm, you know, living Eddie Hall's life, you know, then my purpose is to get big mm-hmm. enough to lift 500 kilos off the ground. Yeah. I don't care if I can run a mile. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Right. Um, so at the end of the day, when you're looking at it and you're working with people, what are some of the most basic, what you would, what you would call functional movements? Uh, what would they translate to in terms of movements in the gym? Sure. Um, you know, first I work on people's breathing mechanics. 
kind of the the very first step of any lift they're going to do if they're if they can they're going to improve on their ability to do everything else if they improve on their breathing mechanics um and then from there we're usually working on uh especially their ability to get into a deep squat just because it shows all of these different uh movement dysfunctions and tight spots in their body and you know obviously that translates to being able to do a squat in the gym but one of the most functional things that you have to do in everywhere else in your life outside of that gym, uh, being able to squat down and pick something up without hurting yourself. Um, and so, you know, you're working on your ankle mobility and your hip mobility and, and your ability to brace and go down and pick up a load and come back up with it. Um, and then shoulder stuff, man, uh, people's shoulders are so messed up from sitting with tech neck, holding onto a phone or holding a steering wheel or holding or typing on a keyboard. And so, just to reduce their risk of injury in the gym and everywhere else, uh, getting them to be able to properly retract their shoulder blades back together, uh, you know, toward their spine, pinch their spine with their shoulder blades, try to, um, and work on being able to get a load overhead, uh, without pain, um, to be able to do that in the gym and to be able to do that in real life. So that, you know, when they're playing catch or something in, someone throws one over their head, it goes high and they throw their arm up really fast that that isn't the last time they put their arm up over their head. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I'm working on hips and, and, and ankle mobility and working on shoulder stability and ability to, to retract their shoulder blades. Um, those are always kind of first building blocks before we go into anything else. Are you seeing uh, shoulders worse than hips? Yeah. As far as injury, I think so. Um, yeah, I think it's it's hard. It's really hard to tell. Uh, it, I think both of them, and, and even from my own, uh, from from my own experience, both were so bad that uh, I, I don't think I could pick one that was worse than the other. Uh, and, and both, you know, the the hips will probably lead to a more detrimental injury uh, because it's going to be a back injury. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I would have to look up some stats there. There may be more shoulder injuries just because of people using their arms and picking stuff up and putting, you know, whether it's a bag of groceries or something or picking up their kid out of the car and having a load out away from their body, um, causing a shoulder injury. But, uh, yeah, those are definitely the two, the two, uh, crucial points for injury prevention. Yeah. I think every physio I talk to says the same thing. I personally, I have decent shoulder mobility. So Mm -hmm. for me, it was a surprise to learn that a lot of people have issues going overhead because that's not something I, you know, I, I, I work with people on. Right. Mm So, um, I, I'm constantly amazed by that, but it makes sense when you think about it. Um, that ability just to retract the shoulder Mm -hmm. into a neutral position, um, because we're so hunched over desks and sitting all day long. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible when you stop and think about it for sure. So when you were working with uh, Dr. Tony Hall mm-hmm. and he sort of gave you his magic tricks mm-hmm. and showed you, hey, man, this is how you pick something up off the floor. Um, was there a moment when you were working with him where you decided, you know what, hey, um, I made such great progress and I'm and I'm building on what I've learned. I want to take this to the next level. I, you know, I want to get certified. I want to help other people. Yeah. Um, you know, I had been thinking about it. Uh about doing some coaching because when you lose, especially when you lose a lot of weight, people want to know how you lost it. Mm. And, um, I could tell them how I lost weight, but I, as I learned more, uh, in kind of my own, uh, self-education, I was learning that like the way that I lost weight wasn't how everybody's body was going to respond. And I wanted to 
learn some more tactics of how to, you know, help people figure out how their body would respond, uh, for, for a weight loss in particular. Now, um, is, is that something that you uh, sort of intuitively gravitated towards? I mean, that idea that what worked for you may not work for someone else. It, it seems to me that a lot of folks think that, you know, this one size fits all right. program is going to do the trick for everyone. You know, what, what was kind of the turning point was when you, when you first start trying to do a self-education like that, um, the zealots on every, on, on the fringes are always the loudest. And so they can't all be right. Um, and, and as I've learned with just about everything that the answer is always in the middle. Uh, and so it, it, you know, if one guy is going to tell me, uh, that I need to go crazy keto and that's the, that's the trick for everybody. Uh, but this guy over here is, is, you know, wrote a book and showing me that, you know, skulls with, from Africa with grains in their teeth and, you know, obviously grains aren't bad. So they're not all right and they're not all wrong. There's obviously some answer in the middle and that's what I wanted to find was that answer in the middle. Um, and, and be able to take the pieces of, of all those different corners of nutrition and, uh, as building blocks to figure out what is going to work for each client. Um, but, uh, yeah, what, what kind of the turning point for deciding to go get some certs and, and, and really pursue it was, you know, after I was working with, with Dr. Tony Hall for a little while, um, he decided actually to, he offered me the ability to be certified, uh, to work for his company and to be able to go out and do some and, and train some folks myself uh, through his company. But he actually asked me if I would, if I would be willing to go out and get a couple certs under my name as well, um, to kind of bolster my resume a little bit that, and, and to, and to increase my, my education. Uh, so I, I decided to go out and get a personal trainer cert. Uh, I went through NASM. Um, I, uh, I liked their curriculum and, um, and, and I also, there were some other certs that I had in mind and I wanted to make sure that they worked for CEUs. And so it all just kind of lined up well. Um, and then I also went and got a, a nutrition coaching certification through precision nutrition. And, uh, and once I had those under my belt and had been working with Tony, I, I, I felt like I, I have the education, the tools and the experience to be able to start taking on clients in this way. Um, and once I did start taking on a couple clients, um, and seeing that, holy cow, I, I can do this. Like I can, people are learning and I'm able to teach them and they're able to find their own answers and, and, and they're, and they're getting it and they're getting really good results. And, uh, uh, results that they never had before and that they, that they genuinely trusted me to lead them down this path. Um, that was it. That was when I, I knew like, this is, this is what I'm passionate about, what I want to be learning about constantly. And I now know that I have this ability to help other people with it, which is, uh, was huge. Um, I kind of came to this realization that, you know, even with my marketing business, uh, which I've done for 10 years now, I worked mostly with small and medium sized businesses. And, um, I was kind of a jack of all trades, right? I could, I could build my website. I could do some social media stuff for them. I could do some search engine optimization, all these nerdy marketing things. I could help them with all these pieces. And that ultimately what I enjoyed about it wasn't doing that work, but that I was helping them relieve some suffering in their life, that they had suffering in their life with their, with their business in this, in this aspect, um, that I was able to help them with. And that I found that congruent with the health coaching that these people, these clients had suffering in their life that I was able to help with. 
Um, and so that's really what I've, what I've been able to pinpoint is why I am doing this and why I'm drawn to it is because I get to help people with things that they feel helpless with, which has been really powerful. Yeah, it's a very outward focused way of seeing the world. I, I think all good businesses are, mm-hmm. um, you know, because at the end of the day, if you're not solving a problem for someone, there's no reason for a transaction to take place. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people forget that sometimes this yeah. whole mentality of if you I've, I can't tell you how many clients of mine have have told me if you build it, they will come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, no, they're not coming. Only maybe the creditors and perhaps some competitors to pick off your sure. equipment for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, having that ability to really connect with people mm-hmm. and foster that trust, like what you're talking about, I think that's a gift in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that, that you do um, that maybe you haven't seen uh, other coaches or trainers do that helps to foster that relationship with your clients? One of the things that I cannot help is making people laugh. Uh, and I, I just, my, my brain never quits working of thinking of, uh, ways to make a situation funny. It just never stops. And I think that that breaks down so many barriers when people are laughing with you and, uh, and smiling with you. Um, that, you know, in a situation, you know, especially with, with the health coaching, um, you know, if people are, are working with a health coach, they're generally in a, in a bad place. Um, especially if they're willing to pay some money for it. Uh, you know, they're generally in a bad place and they, and they don't like where they are. And, and it's, it's not a fun place to be, um, being there myself at one point. And, uh, so there's a lot of, I don't know, there's a lot of stress and pressure in that situation. And so I, I think using humor to kind of break that down a little bit and lets them know that I'm just a regular ass dude too. Um, I'm no, I'm, I'm no high and mighty expert that's going to, you know, make you feel bad about where you're at right now. Um, I'm going to, we're going to meet on the same level and have a real conversation and, and, that they are in the driver's seat as much as, as much as I am. Um, that, and we're, you know, we're sitting in that car together, man. Um, <laughs> and you know, so it, it's, I try to make them feel as comfortable as possible that way, uh, to where they can open up and, and tell me some things that they were surprised that they were going to, that they didn't think they were going to tell me. Um, and usually we can find, uh, you know, hopefully find, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording about like, um, behavior change, how hard behavior change is. And, and that's where that's, that's coaching, right. Is, is helping someone with behavior change. Um, so breaking down and getting into, you know, a real conversation with somebody, uh, where you can find those ways to make behavior change a little easier, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. is, uh, is kind of where that starts with humor and letting them know I'm just a real person. And here's my experience and here's also what I've learned. Um, let's talk about your experience and what you've learned from your experience and, and, and find where, where we find some intersection where we, where we can make some change that you're comfortable making. I love that, man. That's, that's, that's fantastic. It shows a lot of empathy for the people that you're working with, Thanks. but also challenges them, you know, in a huge way. Yeah. You were talking about, um, you know, how you're connecting with people yeah. coming down on their level. They're dealing with something difficult. And rather than making it harder on them, 
you're meeting them where they are, showing some empathy, and then, you know, taking them through what they need in that moment, but not necessarily more than they need in that moment. Sure, sure. Because you don't want to make it more stressful. So the question is, you know, where does the spiritual and mental nature of that person, uh, where does that factor in to your overall plan of dealing with them? They, realizing that we can take we can we can take control of this what's been out of control in, in very small ways that they're comfortable with and so that they feel empowered they they know that they can that they can do that uh, you know one of the things that that I'll do is you know when we're when we're trying to decide what kind of you know healthy habit we're going to work on with a with a health coaching client um, you know on a scale of one to ten where one is like that's impossible there's no effing way that I could do that. And 10 is I'm embarrassed that you even think that I couldn't brush my teeth once a day. Um, we want like an eight or higher. It's something that they don't have in their, in their, in their routine, but it's something that's, that's, that's really easy enough that they know that they can do it pretty consistently. And we're just trying to build little wins, little win on top of little win on top of little win. And those little wins all blend together into much, much bigger wins. And, once they start to see that, you know, that wind column grow, they feel so they, they feel empowered. They feel powerful, you know, where they, where they had felt weak previously. Um, and it just, it just allows you to get into bigger and bigger and badder habits and, and, you know, and, uh, not badder, badder in a good way. Um, I had to explain that concept to my four-year-old daughter the other day. <laughs> we, uh, they just had the Barrett Jackson. This is a tangent. I told you I was going to go on tangents. Hey, hit they me had, with it. They had the Barrett Jackson here recently, Barrett Jackson auction. Yep. And so there's just cool cars going down the highway. And we're zipping over to the HOV lane to get her to preschool. And there was a like a 57 Chevy. And it said, the license plate said uh, it was one bad 57. And I was like, dang, that thing is bad. And she was like, why is it bad? <laughs> and I'm like, well... Bad so you means don't understand good. the dual nature of bad the word. means in this instance, bad means good, good. honey. Um, we'll talk about this again later. There you yeah. go. Um, but yeah, no, we get to, uh, you know, help that person feel empowered, feel powerful, feel that they, they can take control of their life and not just feel it, but like live it, yeah. live getting control of their life and, and seeing how that manifests, not only in what the scale weight says, um, but everywhere else in their life as well. For sure. It sounds like, um, it sounds like you're doing sort of like a classic conditioning to get them to see some internal confidence to, Mm -hmm. to get them to understand that, you know what, Hey, this is going to continue to mount and continue to mount and continue to mount. And each one of those little wins, Hey, it's psychological, Mm -hmm. you know, medicine in a way it's like, Hey, I can do this. You're building that confidence in them it's one of the hardest things in health coaching is patience is, is having, uh, your clients have some patience. Um, and cause they all want a six week fix. They all want to be beach ready in two months, you know, seven again, minute abs, baby. Yeah. Until someone comes out with six minute abs. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I try to just remind them that it, it took them a lot longer to six weeks to get to where they're at. And so it's going to take a little longer to get out. Uh, but that that's just the process and that's in that they're, that they have me alongside them to help them with that, that they're, it, yeah, it looks like a bit of a journey and 
that's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's not a, it's not a daunting task. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit of self-exploration that they get to learn about themselves as they go along. Mm-hmm. Um, and gosh, like I just learned again, you know, my N of one experiment, uh, I just, I've just learned so much about the human body by making changes in my own life. It's just, it's just so much to me. I'm, I'm a dork in with this stuff. And so it's just so fun to see those things. Mm -hmm. Um, so I try to get a little bit of, I try to find a little bit of dorkiness in other people that when they get to see some of those changes and how they feel and, and, uh, how much, how much better their, uh, their body functions. Yeah, sure. I mean, the confidence goes through the roof. I think the, the element of human spirit, if that's measurable, I think it's visible on people's faces when they're in a state of accomplishment, mm-hmm. it comes through and to be in a position to work with people in that state is, it's gotta be tremendously rewarding. It is. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I mean, where do you want to take this? I mean, obviously this is something that I think you've, it sounds like you've become more of a citizen scientist turned health coach. Mm-hmm. Like you started with yourself and now you're branching out in in you know, a giving way an outward focused way. And you mm-hmm. want to reach out to other people. Where do you ultimately want to take this? So, you know, I'd like to be able to help as many people as I can. Um, there always is an issue of scale with, with that because there's only so many hours in the day. And I know that having real human interaction with somebody is, uh, so important in these kind of transformations. Um, you know, anyone can go online and they can download a program and they can try to start following it. And then some of, for some people it works really well. And for a lot of folks, that's, that's just not going to be enough. And so I'm trying to figure out how to, how to help more people. Um, and so I'm, you know, dabbling with a little bit of online coaching where I also have access and, you know, do Skype calls or FaceTime with people and uh, kind of weekly check-ins and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's trying to figure out how to, uh, how does ma- how to make as big of an impact as I can. And, you know, selfishly or not, I would like to start with making as big of an impact as I can with the people, uh, that I'm ar- that I already know the people I know and love friends and family. Um, and I, I know from there that, you know, from my marketing business, all of my businesses come from referral. It's come from doing a good job. And so I'm just waiting for that to, uh, kind of spread into this new venture as well, uh, to have some opportunity to work with some people that are ready to make change. Um, and then let that kind of organically spread from there. Beautiful, man. So before I ask my last question, uh, mm-hmm. tell the folks at home where they can get in touch with you and perhaps work with you. Yeah. So the website is lifespicehealth.com. And then I'm also on Facebook under Life Spice Health. Um, and the Life Spice Health website is where you can see uh, a lot of information on my kind of group coaching program. Uh, and then I, I end up posting on Facebook, uh, you know, just things that I find interesting with a little bit of commentary and then a little bit about program here and there. I try not to sell too much on there. Right on brother. So last question for you is, uh, what does wellness mean to you? Hmm. I listened to your last podcast and on the drive up, I was like coming up with a good answer for your final question for her. (laughs) And then you flipped it on me. (laughs) Uh, what does wellness mean to me? Wellness, um, you know, it, it, wellness just permeates into so many different aspects, whether it's physical wellness, it's mental wellness, spiritual wellness, it's 
wide reaching that way. Um, you know, I want for myself and, and everyone else to feel strong and capable physically. I want them to feel belonging and purpose mentally. You know, I, I want them to feel connected spiritually and into their community around them. It's, yeah, it's a really, there's no pinpoint. There's no short answer. There really is I don't isn't. think, I don't I, think you fit that on a billboard. I don't think so. I haven't found one yet, man. Yeah. And, and the way that you worded that, I think is absolutely beautiful. So I think we'll leave it there, brother. All right, cool. Hey man, I appreciate you being up. Congratulations on the, the new twins coming soon. Oh, thanks man. Yeah. It's going to get crazy. It's going to get crazy, man. Until then guys, we'll see you in the next episode. This is Jason Archer on behalf of Chris Hargrave signing off. We'll see you next time. Take care.